Welcome to Fresh Image. Fresh Image is a nonprofit Catholic ministry committed to providing individuals and communities with resources to facilitate the full flourishing of the image of God in each and every single human person. Not only will you find hundreds of articles, convenient audios, and presentations on our beautiful faith, but also catechetical resources to be used in the classroom, at the parish, and at the kitchen table. Today, we are happy to present Fresh Image Gospel Reflections from our founder, Tony Crescio. Tony reminds us that it is when we look into the mirror of Scripture that we discover the unique image of God we have each been created to be. My dear friends in Christ, in our discussion last Sunday of the famous episode of The Road to Emmaus, we saw the modus operandi of the Son of God on full display. He pursues and joins the two disciples as they are heading in the wrong direction. In the two disciples, we saw ourselves, fellow sinners, who are all in ways small and great, headed in the wrong direction, and we have no ability to correct course for ourselves. Only the grace offered in the Son can bring about the radical transformation we need. And last week's gospel demonstrated just how badly the Son wants to do this for us. As we saw, He is the hound of heaven, who restlessly pursues and tracks down His beloved, the human family, with a singular purpose in mind. And this purpose is all important. It is to convert us. The Son doesn't just want to be our buddy, or, as the Catholic theologian Ulrich Lehner so wonderfully entitles one of his many books, God is not nice. Which is why the hound of heaven is such an apt metaphor for how the sun works. There is something at once restless and ferocious about him. He tracks us down and then tugs at us, not by force, but by love, so as to pull us back in the right direction. And that direction is himself. This is the gospel message that the only way to human flourishing as a creature created in the image and likeness of God is to participate in the life of the one who is the uncreated image of the invisible God, as Paul says. This is decidedly an unpopular message in our secular world. However, it is the message the world desperately needs to hear and the one which we hear our Lord proclaim in a couple of different ways once again this Sunday. In today's Gospel reading from the 10th chapter of John's Gospel, Jesus begins by cutting right to the chase. He says, Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Jesus is making an extremely strong claim through this metaphor, but this is a little easier to see if we go a bit further. Jesus continues, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. In this image, Jesus is the shepherd, and the human family, the sheep. We are so used to hearing this language that the radical claim being made is often lost on us. The sheep belong to one and to one alone, the shepherd. Jesus is saying to us all, You belong to to me. The radicality of this claim is two-sided. On the one hand, by saying to us that we belong to him, Jesus simultaneously tells us that in the first instance, 
We do not belong to ourselves. This is not a message welcomed by the world today. Sociological studies show that most people think about life as a project of self-creation. Look around for a moment and you will see that this message is the anti-gospel of postmodern secularism. Today, Jesus points out the perversity of this message by telling us that we belong to him alone, which leads to the other side of the radical claim being made by Jesus. For not only is Jesus telling us that we do not belong to ourselves in the first place, but neither do we belong to anyone else in the first instance. This point is far less scandalous, perhaps, to the majority of us than to the powers that be. For now, Jesus says to every ruler throughout the history of the world at every level, whether secular or religious, these people do not belong to you, they belong to me. Jesus is the ultimate equalizer, for even the leaders themselves are but sheep. Both claims are re-emphasized in what Jesus says next. When the shepherd has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Whose voice is obeyed without fail? Think back to the beginning, the very beginning. How does God create? By speaking. And what God speaks happens. Let there be light, and there is light. Let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind, cattle and creeping things and wild animals of the earth of every kind, and it was so. We find the same in God's powerful response to Job. In the midst of the divine monologue, God asked Job, Can you lift up your voice to the clouds, so that a flood of waters may cover you? Can you send forth the lightnings, so that they may go, and say to you, Here we are? Only God has such command over creation, and only God ought to have command over each and every single one of our lives. And what does he call us to? What is it that the shepherd calls the sheep to? To travel with him, to accompany him, if you will. And why do the sheep so readily follow? Because they know that when they follow the shepherd's voice, they will be provided for. They will be led to pasture and be kept safe from predators. Only God gives life, and we are meant to recognize the voice of God in Jesus and have in that voice the same reliance of the sheep upon the shepherd. We are meant to have the conviction of the psalmist in today's responsorial psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk in the dark valley, I fear no evil, for you are at my side, with your rod and your staff that give me courage. Of course, the problem is that we lack the focus creation has. The creatures of the cosmos, great and small, respond to their created natures simply by living. We, endowed with rational minds and free will, on the other hand, are easily distracted by the many voices that fill our airspace and invade our living rooms and even our pockets with their never-endless babble. It is a near impossibility to remain attentive to the voice of the one to whom we belong so that we might live by his word. But Jesus is not satisfied to leave us struggling so. As he says in our gospel today, when the shepherd has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. By the incarnation, the Son has come 
as St. Peter reminds us in our second reading for today, to set an example for us that we might follow in his footsteps. But as Peter says, this is an exceedingly difficult example to imitate because of what it demands of us. Our Lord knows this. He knows that he leads us through the dark valley in the shadow of death. And he also knows that the great demand of imitating his example amid that dark valley cannot be accomplished by our own resources and under our own steam. It is Jesus, the Good Shepherd, who supplies us with the courage to move forward, as the psalmist says, which is where the second image Jesus uses today comes into play. John tells us that when the first image of the shepherd and the sheep really didn't land with Jesus' listeners, Jesus uses another. This time, he says, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved, and will come in and go out and find pasture. If the first image didn't provoke a reaction, this one was sure to. But again, because we don't generally have lived experience with the image, we may miss its radicality. How does a gate work? A gate is essentially a section within a barrier which opens. We can think of a stone wall enclosing a city, or a wooden post barbed wire fence surrounding a pasture or field. In either case, the only way in or out is through that one section that opens, the gate. When Jesus says, I am the gate, the claim he is making is that he is the only way into a life of communion with God. It is only by passing through him that the human person, created for relationship with God, has access to that relationship. Said differently, there is only one entry point to human flourishing, and that entry point is Jesus Christ. And he tells us precisely this at the end of our gospel reading for today. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. All the other voices, Jesus tells us today, that promise you happiness and worldly success cannot give you what they promise. They are thieves and robbers who come to destroy and steal. Only I am for you, Jesus says, and only I can give you exactly what I say I will give to you, life in abundance. At this point, it is important to bring the two images into conversation with one another. When we do, it becomes clear that Jesus, the incarnate Son of God, is telling us that the only gate to fullness of life is himself, and the fullness of life found once we pass through the gate which he is, is a life lived in communion with him. Jesus is, as Augustine would say, both the way and the end. We travel by Jesus to Jesus, and this is the fullness of human life. The question becomes then, how do we access this gate? Peter tells us in our first reading for today. After preaching the gospel message that Jesus is in fact Lord and Messiah, that is, the end and the way to fullness of life with God, those listening ask, Brothers, what should we do? Without hesitation, Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. 
the shepherd calls you to the fullness of life by sharing in his very life through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, who will be poured out into your heart if you are baptized. Baptism, the sacrament of regeneration, is the gate of entry into life with Christ. The word baptism comes from the Greek word baptisain, meaning to immerse or plunge. As in all the sacraments, it is Jesus who comes to meet us through the action of his minister. Thus, in the sacrament of baptism, Jesus plunges us into his life, immersing us in the power of his love so as to share in his death, so that in sharing in his death, we might rise to newness of life in him, as St. Paul says in his letter to the Romans. But our Lord is not one to be stingy. When God gives, he gives in abundance. He doesn't desire to give you the opportunity to encounter him so powerfully once, but repeatedly. So, after we pass through the first gate of baptism, we find that there are six more gates to pass through. As the great Orthodox theologian St. Nicholas Cabosilus writes in his work, The Life in Christ, For this reason, the most sacred mysteries may fittingly be called gates of righteousness. For it is God's supreme loving kindness and goodness towards mankind, which is the divine virtue and righteousness, which has provided us with these entrances into heaven. Each and every single time we celebrate a sacrament, we pass through the gate that is Christ to new life in Christ. Each time we pass through the doors of the church, we enter the pasture of God, where we are fed with his very life in the Eucharist. Each time we pass through the door of the confessional, we enter the clinic of the divine physician who awaits to lay his healing hand upon us. Each time spouses accompany one another through moments of difficulty, they enter the embrace of Christ made present in the life they share with one another. But gates do not just work one way. All gates work two directions. We enter in to encounter Christ in order to be sent out to live his life in the world. And principally, as St. Peter tells us in our second reading for today, living Christ's life in the world demands a willingness to suffer out of love for the righteousness Christ is and that only he can give to the world. Thus, Peter says, If you endure when you do right and suffer for it, you have God's approval. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you should follow in his steps. When he was abused, he did not return abuse. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Thus, we are sent out the gate of God's pasture to be Christ's life-giving presence in the world. We are sent out of the confessional to be Christ's instruments of healing and forgiveness. And by living lives and self-sacrificing love to one another, spouses make present the life of Christ by their very life together. My friends, it is only by repenting and encountering Christ that we are, as St. Peter tells us in our first reading, saved from this corrupt generation, that we are drawn out of the world falling into the nothingness of hatred, division, corruption, and violence, and shown the path and given the ability to live as members of the body of Christ, who strive to do the very same for the world. For when we cooperate with the grace of Christ, we become sacramental agents of the gospel message who make known to the world that Christ has come to save us from the corruption of sin and death 
and that he desires all to live life to its very fullest. And most importantly, that fullness of life can only be found by entering the gate that he is. Thank you for listening to this week's Gospel Reflection. For more resources, please visit us at freshimage.org. And remember, when you live a fresh life, you will be a breath of God's fresh, life-giving air to the world.